0: Don Rahul Jimenez.
1: Hi amateurs, that? Like, you don't even see that down the park. If they, if they lose, it feels great. Content. The with your head? I am supporting every team that feels break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is.
0: Mudman, thank you as always yeah. man, Who would you rather lose it to by the way? Me or Johnny?
2: That's somebody's
0: <laughs> choice <left. laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble um, I'm back, I was off last week uh, Thanks very much for the lads for covering It was excellent, I really enjoyed it actually really enjoyed listening to the podcast And not having to worry Did I say anything stupid? I'll oh, not forget about it uh, No, actually all four of you did So that was cool um, we're not joined this week by Cousin Mud, Cousin Mud has started a new job, we obviously won't tell you what it is because it's private, but just uh, if I, you come across him and you, or you see him on Twitter, congratulating him on his new job, well done Cousin Mud, we're all very proud of you and we'll get speaking to you again, no doubt next week on the podcast uh, about the glorious Arsenal. So it's myself, Phil, uh, Breton. hello Breton. Good evening. Uh, the Brain, Patrick, hello Patrick. Well, Chops. Chaps. And the Bold One. Steve, hello Steve
2: I'm
0: not bold, what are you talking oh, about? you're bold St- Steve, Steve's <laughs> the old but bold one there's, there's 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 mischief in him And I know there's going to be mischief tonight Because I know he's going to be at So I have to try and counter that Somehow in this podcast But you you'll find what? it later, later, folks What's going on
3: I never felt so old as I did uh, When Manchester United brought on Someone who was born When I was 22 years of age
0: Aye <laughs> <laughs> Shola came on last night United And I heard today that The first World Cup that he remembers was two thousand and ten, South Africa. What?
3: <laughs> okay, this I'm really going to show my. I remember nineteen eighty six, so that was a okay,
0: well, um... <laughs> I remember ninety four, and like, I think those memories are sort of brought back in my head because of just all the people talking about it. I really first one I want to sat down and watch as much of it as I as could have been ninety eight. But, uh,
1: yeah, I was I was ninety eight as well. Uh, loved it still, still my favourite World Cup. And I remember doing French, at a French for A level, and my presentation or a presentation was on the ninety eight World Cup. I loved it that much.
0: But you also feel to say there you did it. You did French uh, A level when you were six. Um, <laughs> Breton, what was your first memory of the World Cup?
2: I do remember bits and pieces in ninety eight, but really two thousand and two. I think. It would be mainly, like, but 2010 is absolutely ridiculous, like. I
0: know, I heard that <laughs> earlier at home and I nearly pulled in and started crying.
2: I, I, I saw somebody said he, he definitely, he, he's from Newcastle, isn't he, originally? And, yeah. um, uh, in around the time of 2004 was obviously Shola we was doing bets, like, and that's clearly who he was named after, like. <laughs> nice.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: um, there are a lot to get into this week, obviously, uh, the Premier League was and what went on. Big weekend for Man City, obviously, again, keep winning. West Ham had a brilliant weekend. Um, top l- club in London, but we'll get into that. Uh, and then, obviously, everyone had their big night at Anfield, plus other ones, Fulham, are catching right in the tails of Newcastle now for the relegation battle. We'll look at Haaland and Mbappe and the big week they had last week, plus Romelu Lukaku's in that mix, too. Uh, Tell a bit about the Irish League, and then anything else that sort of comes into. But... Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start at Anfield on Saturday night? Yeah. No. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Patrick, you're going to have to do a lot of lifting here because I didn't watch the match. So <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish I hadn't
1: watched
0: the match. This is all on you. Um, and, and obviously, the, the, the other two lads jump in here if he's won. Um, Patrick, another defeat for Jurgen Klopp's men. Um, I think that's four out of the last five or something, silly. Uh, they're in a real bit of a rut. Everton, obviously, very good. What was your assessment of the game and the performance story on on Saturday night?
1: Yeah, it's just more more dog shit to be honest. It was <laughs> you know I was looking at the, the form table before coming on here, the last eight games we are fifteenth. Uh one two drawn one lost five. We're going at less than a point a game. And yeah. like last season we were Essentially, up until lockdown, we were going at very nearly three points a game, like two point eight or two point nine. Like we'd, we're winning, you know, basically every game. So, yeah, this is this is particularly painful, and there's just so many different problems. There's just this collective malaise, which just is lingering like a dark cloud over the club. It's just you sort of think it can't get any worse, and then it does. Um, so it was very hard to watch. Um, you know our our eighteenth different centre back partnership now uh, at the week at the weekend. Uh, I felt sorry for Ozen Quebec who has been thrown into, you know, a, a makeshift defence in a new league. Well, you know, reportedly the most difficult league in the world, uh, and he has had a very tough tough ride. I do feel sympathy for him. He doesn't have anyone to hold his hand and talk him through it the way he might have if Van Dijk was fit. But he was making very fundamental errors on 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 Saturday night, like misjudging headers. I know it was windy, but other people weren't misjudging them. His body shape was wrong. He was sort of dodgy in possession. He just had a bit of a nightmare. felt sorry for the lad. Yeah. Um. You know. But even just you know, we haven't scored an open play at Anfield now since. 27th of December uh, and that was against the pack of scrubbers West Brom and, you know it's just it's worrying and I think what worries me the most is uh, Firmino now we've spoken about it in, in the last few weeks uh, Philly, you and I and he's now really becoming a problem if you look at his uh, returns since 27 20 2017 2018 got 27 goals in all competitions that season following season dropped to 16 following season, dropped to 12. This season he's on 6 in 35 appearances. You know, he, scoring 1 in 6 and I know he was never the the sort of out-and-out goal-scoring Ruud van nistelrooy Thierry Henry type of, you know, 30-goal a season. He's never been that person but mm-hmm. just his all-round play, he's, he's not linking it up well, his touch is off he's not setting the press the same way um, and I suppose the worrying thing is the drop-off. You know, we sold Brewster and um, who obviously hasn't done anything at Sheffield United and now we've let Origi, or sorry we've let Minamino go to Southampton on loan. So the other option is Origi and it was very telling that we didn't really reach for didn't really press the Origi button until it was the 90th minute and that's because Origi shit. Um you know, <laughs> at the minute the pubs are closed and like we will all we all love a pint. Firmino is like a bad pint of Guinness right now on a riggies like the fucking dregs of a pint of tenants with like cigarette butts in it like that you really really don't want um so it's just there's so just so many problems at the minute and it's it's pretty hard to watch there's numerous factors in all of this i suppose you know paramount injuries don't even want to talk about it because i'm sick of talking about it second one i think you know Liverpool won a first league title in 30 years. This just uh, they didn't have a chance to sort of have that collective jubil- jubilation, outpouring of ecstasy that, that maybe they would have had. And it's just, I don't know if, if the crowd has also affected or us, not having a crowd uh, has affected us more. I know that's kind of, you know, Liverpool tempted spectacles thinking that the, the crowd is good, but the crowd, the crowd at Anfield is good and like Man City are used to playing in front of the atmosphere so they've really kicked on and and then you also have the age profile of our squad which is getting older we need regeneration there's going to be some huge decisions need to be made in the summer of who to offload who not to give a new contract to who to sign there's just so many unknowns at the moment uh so yeah Philly I don't I don't know what your thoughts on the, all the matter are or if you have any other musings but yeah it's Pretty pretty
2: hard to watch at the minute. What about a squad depth thing, Patty? Um yes, take out Jada. But I think I said this last week, a week before or something. Obviously Jada's injured and that's a massive loss. But those other front three, if they're you know, none of them have really had bad injuries this season, but if they uh if they were injured or if they're not performing like Firmino, like who comes in there? there's such a drop-off if they're not performing and that probably comes down to not strengthening after you go on, I don't know, obviously the situation with COVID et cetera, but, um, you know, not even trying to do anything in the transfer market, um, to, to get more strength up top there. And it's really telling now because those players probably more than anything are tired of playing the amount of games they've played. And, he just doesn't trust the, the other players.
1: Absolutely. You know, hit the nail on the head, Brand. Squad depth isn't good. And, you know, the the golf was huge. You know, the, the front three, the, the traditional front three, and then the next sort of, uh, at the start of this season, you had sort of Jada, Origi, Minamino, Shaqiri as sort of your to slot into your backup options. You know, uh, we've already talked about Origi. Minamino's gone. Shakiri's very temperamental, and jada has been wrecked for the last three months. So there, there were some players. Jada was so encouraging; he showed versatility that he could play anywhere across the front line, and probably would have kept those front three on their toes. And, um, and, but uh, you know, the likes of Firmino must must be like, uh, you know, I can't get dropped here. Basically, you know, yeah. um,
2: that's a so, problem. Like.
1: There's no competition and it's already a small enough squad. Uh, We've spoken before that uh, Klopp likes to work with small squads um, and then he brings through sort of a handful of youngsters to try and bed them, get them experience, possibly play them in the first team or use them as a shop window. And Liverpool have done that regularly where they've played a few boys here and there and then they turn a profit on them and and use that to regenerate the squad. Um, So, yeah, squad depth is most certainly an issue. Like You look at Manchester City's bench, they've probably got Four fifty million player, £50 million, fifty million pound players on it, uh, at least uh, every week, and we have kids. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it is bad times. It feels like I
3: squad so. has been sorry. It feels like squad has been it. an issue for like three seasons, and it's just you had massive injury luck for two of those seasons in which you won a Champions League and you won a Premier League. And it's just all the injury luck that you would expect to accumulate over the course of three seasons has happened in one season.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I, I just, yeah, you're right about Klopp. Obviously, has this formula that he likes to work with: really small squads, keep everything tight, uh, trust trust the players you trust. But like, there's just no options for Liverpool, and and really. You haven't needed them for two seasons or two and a half seasons. It's this year that you are now having to turn to players, fringe players. Is like, oh, we actually don't have any. They're all a bit shit, um, and it just feels like it's two or three years worth of lack of real activity in in the transfer market that has just all collided with you know, as I said, cursed injury look, um, and come back to bite Liverpool in the arse, really.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the front three have been so robust over the last three seasons. Like They've basically played every game, basically never injured, like very few games missed. They don't have the figures, but I'd be surprised if any of them have missed over 10 games, you know, out injured collectively over the last three years. But I think that there have been some injuries we've been able to consume. Alisson missed a lot of last season. Fabinho missed chunks of last season as well Trent has been injured Henderson. from Henderson's injured a lot too so I think we have managed to consume injuries over the years um, okay but just the sheer number now is just beyond belief you know three three recognised centre halves and then your two backup centre halves who are actually midfielders are all injured so five of your sort of first choice centre halves all gone at the same time it's like totally un, unheard of bad luck um, but you can't do anything about it. Like I'm not, I'm not moaning. Like we we are where we are, but it's just, uh, it's pretty shocking.
0: I <laughs> will tell you what I think. um have all been spot on. With we, yes, you no know, people know the injuries have come at a pretty shit time. Yes, clap works on two smaller squad now, and that's maybe been highlighted. The fringe players, uh, they're they're not in form. Like the beat for Barcelona four 0 Two of those fringe players, uh, look, Shaqiri and Origi came in and Rumble Label that night, but they haven't been able to do that anywhere near enough times. You know, don't, Origi's had a couple of big moments, Shaqiri's had a couple of big moments, but it hasn't been consistent enough. so That doesn't help. I think this season, if you're not, if you're a Liverpool fan and you're not writing this season off, they need your fucking head looked at. All right, write this season off. You should have written it off in your head a couple of weeks ago. What will ever happen will happen. Finish wherever the fuck we're going to finish in the league. Who cares? And um, we'll try and go again next year. But this gives, and I'm sorry for cursing so much This gives Jurgen Klopp, I think, in Liverpool, a chance for him to build his second team. And a lot of the fans aren't saying that because, unfortunately, um, there's no patience in football. So they'll just, I need we need to win now. We need to win now. Everything has to be done now. Boom, boom, boom. We'll play FIFA. This is how it's done in FIFA. You morons. You have to give him time. He, he has such an opportunity now. He has, a really, he has a decent enough squad still, obviously. Um, Some world-class players. They are coming to a certain age. He could add now players at the likes of 22, 23, 24 years of age. Players that maybe aren't at um, the leading clubs in world football, but have certainly got the talent likes of uh, Diogo Jota and whatever. And he could add those in now, and that could be his second team. And in two or three years' time, you could see Liverpool do what they've just done. Know maybe win another Champions League or win another league and and be another great team again. And there's not enough Liverpool fans thinking this, they're just doom and gloom because of what's happened this season. I get it, like it it isn't great after you've had three seasons of unbelievable nights. Like, we've been so lucky, Liverpool fans, Patrick, these last three seasons. We've been crying out for this all our lives as Liverpool fans for someone to come and do this. He's come and done this, and we need to give him patience now. See what happens in the summer. They're not going to go out. They're not going to go out and get er- Erling, Britt, halland I'm sorry to break your heart, Patrick. I know how much you want them. That's not going to happen unless Michael Edwards does something mental. And he is capable doing that, but it's not going to happen. But there's people going out and getting someone and adding more players in of that ilk of that age bracket. And in a year or two's time, then you'll see Liverpool potentially get back there again. It's just been, it's just been unlucky. And it's been crap. And one thing we haven't touched on, I think we should, is Everton from what I've read anyway and what people have said everyone was fantastic on Saturday night 22 years they waited for that Like, can you imagine waiting 22 years to beat your city rival that would drive me nuts 22 years they waited for it. King Carlo there's no one in world of football could here, Carlo Ancelotti he's such a lovely man like, he's such a hero brilliant from them they finally went and done it they've got good players coming through as well but I just think there's too much doom and gloom Around the Liverpool fan base, the minute there's too many heads have dropped, too many people have said all sorts of silly things, and stupid things, and getting up players. and Every time Liverpool loses, Thiago's fault. Like, lads, Tiago's had one game where he's played with Liverpool's f- first midfield and he was man of the match against Everton. And you saw the difference he can add to that team. One, He's played 56 minutes with Virgil van Dijk who was brought in to play in front of like, there's There really needs to be some people <laughs> They really need to, take a, they need to more calm heads in that Liverpool fan base. They're not going to get top four, so stop thinking they're going to get it. They might do something mad in the Champions League. They don't think they'll win it, but they might come past Leipzig, get another big round and have a, a couple of really good nights. It might happen. Yeah. But let's just look forward to next season and see what happens again.
3: You mentioned uh, FIFA there as being the the cause of Liverpool fans like thinking they can just go again or whatever. But I actually yeah. think... I think Alex Ferguson is actually to blame because he kept... He's re- to
0: blame for everything.
3: No, but he kept rebuilding Man United teams while still competing. Like They, they might finish yeah. second or third, but they were competing and they were playing at a high level. But the thing was, like it's, it was easier to win the Premier League then uh, and it was easier to stay competitive then. As we're seeing this year, we'd have a really, really competitive Premier League race this year if it wasn't for Man City just being so much better than everyone else. Uh, and I think Liverpool fans do need to give... like just lay off like phil and i follow a couple of people on twitter Liverpool fans who are the most negative people in the world and even when they were doing well these people were negative so it's just exacerbated now that they're doing badly or whatever but i do think there is absolutely the potential i think like this might sound dramatic but it might be time to just to to break it up and start again uh in terms of what Klopp can do and start the new cycle to a new team you know, you mentioned Firmino earlier on. And I think that's probably the place to start. Um, and you know, it's like you're going to get a good few million quid for him. Like you can go again. You you buy a 23, 24 year old um, to replace him if 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 that's if Jota is not the replacement you think he's going to be. Like I mean, you, I'm sure you could raid Wolves again for Neto or something. Um, yeah. Like there there are players there which will suit the Jurgen Klopp system uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean you know Haaland or Mbappe. Uh, they don't need to sign those players because that doesn't feel like it fits with either the the Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp mould or the Liverpool mould. Um, but yeah, it's patience. Like, look, Man City are just on an incredible run of form this season. It doesn't matter how well anyone else is playing. Nobody was probably catching them this year. It, it, there's something inevitable about City the way there was. Like, not last season, obviously, the season before when it didn't matter what Liverpool did, City were just not slipping up feels exactly the same this season. Like, what, 15 clean sheets? Like, that's incredible. Um, for a team that's not regarded as being defensively sound over, you know, in Pep Guardiola's reign or whatever. Like So, yeah, I just think, and as much as, as, much as a Manchester United fan, I am enjoying watching all this happen. Liverpool fans just need to be patient. It's not always going to be this bad. And look, you've had four out of five seasons where you've been probably the best team in world football. Like it's okay to
2: have a bad year; it's allowed. <laughs> yeah. I still do think you're going to finish top four, though.
0: No, I I know I know you keep saying that because you don't want to jinx Chelsea, but I I I don't I don't see that happening myself, and I'm okay with it. So what? Play the play in this new Conference League, whatever it's called, and then we'll try and win it, and then we'll have won it. Well, That'll be good. Um, but yeah, it's a write off this season. Enjoy the other football. And just see what happens. We're gonna have Jota back soon. It's will really be nice to watch, like. um, yes, Man City. We'll touch on them quickly. Uh, before we move on, top with the top four battle. Uh, as you said, Steve, absolutely relentless this year. Do you think now, and <laughs> include myself here, uh, people are maybe probably feeling a bit stupid for writing off Pep Guardiola? That's for you, Steve. Oh
3: sorry, uh, no. I, always feel, I always feel stupid when I talk about football So yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. Um, Yeah, look I I genuinely would have Put Pep down as one of the favourites To get the chop this year at the start of the season Because I didn't think City had it in them To kind of go again um, I, I never saw this kind of Defensive prowess uh, coming at all because that's how they're winning games. Like, it's not like they're beating, like, we're used to City winning games four and five nil or four and five one or whatever. Like, that's how we're over the past few seasons, we've been used to them, you know, kind of doing their thing. This year, it's just grinding out one nil wins and two nil wins. Like, I didn't think they were great at the weekend, but I also didn't think they were going to concede either. You know, it never looked like they were going to concede. So, um, yeah, I think Pep Guardiola has shown that, like, Outside of Europe, he can still Well capable of winning the titles And like, look, Patrick said it earlier on Like, look what they have on the bench They can bring on, four, you know, 3 or 4 50 million pound players, that's a luxury Most teams don't have Um. But I just think that, like, yeah, even just on that point, like, John Stones, people are talking about, like, how great it is to see him playing well. Well, he'd want to fucking play well, considering how much he cost them, you know? (laughs) Um, It's not like he's a young lad they picked up, you know, off the, you know, playing football on the street outside Main Road or whatever. I know they don't play Main Road anymore. I've shown my age yet again. Jesus. Um, But, yeah, it's that. It's, it's, I think they get, and uh, do you know what? And uh, I'll finish up shortly, like, but... Like they are benefiting from no crowds because it, for them <laughs> nothing has changed. So, you know, unlike Liverpool who who feel the difference in not having crowds, for Man City, nothing has changed. This is exactly the same as the atmosphere is like in the Etihad when they were doing well. So um I think that's absolutely benefiting them.
0: Before either you two jump in, Patrick and Brenton, I teed this up for us to try to get Man City fans on board. And after Patrick had already said that no fans about ten minutes ago, you did the exact same thing. So that's probably the most me. Uh, <laughs> Breton, I know you you absolutely love Man City. What what do you make of this <laughs> this Pep team? <laughs> it's a real city loving <laughs> tonight, and now they're going.
2: So if all the city fans are are gone by now, we can just lay under them, yeah. Or like
0: go fuck yourselves, yeah. <clears throat>
2: um, no, I think um, that they do deserve credit. Obviously, like it's it's an unbelievable yeah. run, um. But I also don't think anyone else. I mean, United are the nearest challengers, but it, they, have United even played well this season? Like I, I, I can't remember them ever playing well this season. And when they're building up a bit of a head of steam, um, they always drop points. Um, so I don't think anyone else has particularly pushed Man City. Um, but still, regardless, the the form um, is great and. Um, I think the the defensive solidity is yes, obviously it's very impressive, and um, I think they've they've thrown a lot of money at the problem, um, and it's probably not Pep's genius um, that's that's getting them those clean sheets. It's just the sheer amount of we'll, we'll try this boy, well no, nah, it doesn't work. We'll spend another fifty mil. What about this combination? You know, um, I, I think it's the. The little tweaks that he's made at the other end of the pitch that have been have impressed me a bit more, you know, like not, not having Aguero available and just not playing Jesus. Um and, and making that false nine work so so well. The the fluidity is is just amazing to watch. Um and yes, not so much at the weekend against Arsenal, but <clears throat> in spells they had it. Um and certainly the first 10 10-15 minutes. Um when they got their goal, and and even before that, like before a minute and a half, they looked like they could have scored again. They attacked Tierney, um, with Marius down that side, and um, it, it just it was it was really nice to watch. Um, so yeah, I think they deserve credit on on that end as well, um, because other teams. I mean, speaking to somebody today, and um, about United's uh, forward line and. Um, if, when Cavani's not playing, Martial is just non-existent, and and if they lost Fernandez, it, it would they would be so much worse off. I think they would probably drop out of the top four. or if if you're basing on his goals and assists, so I don't think Man City have that one player. I think they're all um coherent up the top end of the pitch, and and that is down to Pep. I think that one
0: of the most impressive things this season is what he's done with Cancelo as well. He's a real playmaker for them now. And look, he was already very good, Cancelo. Don't get me wrong, but he, he he's took him to a different another level. Like you have to worry about him now as well. You can, you don't have to just worry about De Bruyne Gundogan, Foden, Aguero, <laughs> uh, Sterling, <Mahrez. laughs> Uh You have to worry about can, what Cancelo's going to do, and even Ruben Diaz's passing range is is um, underrated. You know, he's spraying long passes last night, which are really good. So you have to worry about that too. But... Patrick, well, as we move on from Man City, because I know what you think, and I don't want to say that's in trouble even more, West Ham, a fourth now?
1: Yeah, yeah, West Ham, who we gave a bit of a big up last week, went and put a, put together another another great performance. Like, Well, first half anyway, I thought they were brilliant, they were hanging on second half. Like, I thought when Bale came on for Tottenham, it's as good as I've seen Bale in a Tottenham shirt, and possibly as good as he's been in a Real Madrid shirt since 2018 Champions League final. Um, but uh, yeah, another another solid win. They're in unbelievable form. Something like I think they've they've twenty twenty four points in the last twenty nine or something crazy. Um, yeah, Moyes' truck just keeps keeps rolling on. Lingard's just making that late push for the plane. And uh, yeah, it's fair play to them. Uh, very very impressive. Do you
0: think do you think Patrick they can hang on, or do you think do you think Chelsea oh, and and Everton and absolutely. whatever can catch up with them?
1: Absolutely not. No, they won't hold on. Like uh, I think I think <laughs> oh, Lord. like they're uh with ruthless tonight, Patrick going The the bubble will burst like you know, West Ham will not finish the Champions League. I I really don't think so. Um I think Chelsea will finish the the Champions coming. League. Yeah, West Ham will they'll do West Ham. Um, I remember them doing this but, under might have been the last season at Upton Park under Billich and whenever Payette was at his absolute peak of his powers. And there were Champions League places, guts of the season, maybe until about now. And then just the wheels came off. Um, so, you know, who knows? I, I, I would sort of, especially, Brendan, if you said the tough run of games coming up, I don't know if they'll still be there in six weeks' time. Um, I think Chelsea are coming up fast. And we can't get any worse. Maybe we could put something together. But I don't think West Ham will finish in the in the top four.
2: I think there's going to be some some sort of a surprise, like a surprise from the traditional, um, because well, you could argue Leicester, but I mean they've been up there for a while. Like West Ham, Everton, Villa, one of those three, I think could be in there, um, because Villa still have a game in hand, don't they? And then, um, so do Everton, possibly. So They'll um, yeah. have two yeah, games so, in hand. They'll have two games in hand, right? Yeah. yeah so I, think, yeah. I mean. It, it comes to a point where something's going to have to give it could be Aberdeen, they have obviously um, the, probably the best quality squad um, but I, I, I mean Chelsea have a really difficult run coming now as well um, and go in there twice so that's going to get their attention and they could drop off, I know they play United next Sunday then they play Liverpool so that could be a massive game, a Chelsea-Liverpool game for the top four but um I mean, West Ham really this season alone. If you're just looking at this season, we've no real reason to doubt that there will be a massive, um, mm. a massive drop off. I think they're another say... team
0: that's benefiting from having no fans because their fans hate them. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know they can just play with freedom now. Like the Dildo Brothers don't have to worry about getting stuff thrown at them. You know what I mean? They can just watch their team. Do whatever they want, and you can sort of. There's no pressure on West Ham. You watch, apart from obviously yesterday, the second half Spurs were very good. But you watch this West Ham team, and when they're going forward, when they're in form, they're playing with such like sort of freedom. And I think that they are actually really benefiting. It would be some crack if it if their last games at home and there's crowd in, they lose it and it puts them out of the top four because of the crowd. I mean, I, don't, I I don't want to laugh, but I, I would literally laugh my trunks off if that happened.
3: Um, they have a couple
2: of really good um, like players having individually great seasons. Yeah, I think West Suchek. Ham as well. Like Suchak, Declan Rice has been fantastic. Jared Bowen is having a great season and yeah. obviously Antonio as well. Um, So yeah, I think that's that's happening out there all kind of picking at the same time.
0: Brent and Chelsea, we'll get on to Manchester United next, Steve, don't worry. Brent and Chelsea at the weekend. Um, Really, like they did so much possession, but I I never thought they were going to go on and win the game.
2: Yeah, welcome to watching Chelsea. Um, <laughs> that's that's been the overwhelming stat uh, this whole season. Never just mind it, on it's actually got it's got higher under Tuggle, but um, that was it was the same with Lampard. It was like the final third, they can't get the right pass. Um they can't get the right finish Um, it's really really frustrating to watch that type of football Um, because the more you have the ball the more you think something's going to happen I think they had like 730 passes and Southampton had like 250 something ridiculous like that Um, and Chelsea only had 3 shots on target so yeah very very frustrating to watch and obviously Tuchel wasn't happy with the final product he um, he really went after uh, Hudson and I in particular after the game. Um, but Abraham as well. Like Abraham had seven touches in the first half and was hooked. Um, which I thought was weird to start him because he, he got injured against Newcastle and he was a doubt for most of the week. And then suddenly he was playing. Um, I think it would have been better to play Drew, you know, who who has a Great record against Southampton in the past, anyway. So that made more sense to me. But it could, you know, it really means that you could see Giroud against Atletico uh, tomorrow night. I think um, to hold the ball and bring Chelsea up the pitch—that's the one thing Abraham hasn't really got in his game yet, anyway. Um, but yeah, none of Chelsea's attacking players offered a lot. I mean, Mount ran as he does. Um, and probably looked the most likely to create something. Kanté was very good in midfield. Um, I think I saw who won the most balls in midfield this season of any any player at any team. So in that game, um, so hopefully he that'll be him back in to give Chelsea a bit more energy. But Werner was poor. Ziyech was awful when he came on. Um, there's no. It, I say I it you, it's it's like watching Man City, Chelsea without the good side up front. <laughs> um they <laughs> have so much ball and but they just don't have end product. Man City seem like they're gonna have end product every every time they get into that final third. So um something needs to change. I'm really not sure how they're gonna do that or, or what it is. Um but, you know as I imagine that run coming up, you know, Tickle really needs to uh, and maybe that was maybe him trying to trying to get it into their heads by Doing that with Hudson and bringing them on at halftime, bringing them off after seventy-five minutes, um, to sort of say to everyone, "All right, you know, the honeymoon period is is properly over. Like, let's let's step it up here. You know, if you want to fight for your future as a, as a player at this club, even you know, you're gonna have to step it up, Like So yeah, and also such a poor goal. I mean, it was a great finish by Minamino, but really poor goal to concede. Chelsea just opened up their back four and said, "Go on ahead there." Was, he's
0: been happens, like his only best
2: chance. player 2021
0: he's playing for something <laughs> Great finish uh, it was a good finish uh, yeah it is Ch- Chelsea have, I, I do think Tuchel will be able to get more out of Kai Havertz when he comes back and I think he'll be key um, for Chelsea going forward because they are lacking that they're lacking like the final pass or something anyway it just looks a bit stale like he wouldn't um, at the minute, I don't think teams, even though Chelsea on paper look frightening, teams are fearing Chelsea's front line because they sort of know like, what's going on. Do you know what I mean? It just sort of feeds it up, But it will click on the Tuchel like it is. It, it, it sometimes sort of to a tough game too, but I think it will click eventually for him. And, I mean, tomorrow night will be deadly without Thiago Silva against Atletico, um, yeah,
2: like
0: a, a big, against Luis Suarez. It's, <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. They're, they're flying, over know beat the weekend, but they have been flying this season, so I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, Steve, then we'll move on. We'll talk about your beloved Manchester United. I just wanted to ask you a quick question, Steve. Uh, is Bruno Fernandes like, the best midfielder in the Premier League, or what What do you think?
3: He's not even the best midfielder at Manchester United.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Is he the best penalty taker <laughs> at Manchester United?
3: He's definitely the best penalty taker at Manchester United. He's oh, yeah.
0: missing penalties for rest of the season, mate.
3: I will give you that. No, look.
2: <laughs> I know you're agree with Who's the is best up. midfielder?
3: Yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is because I proclaimed Emmy Martin as the best goalkeeper in the Premier League last week and then he throws two into the net at the weekend. So <laughs> he's trying to revert things Bruno Fernandes here. Um, it's just
0: it's just sad, who, who, who is oh, the best oh, midfielder, I mean, Steve? Who, Steve?
3: The best field. Field in the Manchester United squad so hopefully he picks up an ACL injury at the weekend or something so. <laughs> uh, but yeah look it's 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 like I, I said it last week and he still hasn't played well. well he was decent against Sociedad but he hasn't played well in the Premier League since probably the Leeds game before Christmas uh, and yeah look he still has a goal and assist in a game like it's incredible yeah. what he does when he's not playing well um, but I think you know that midfield that Ole saw Solskjaer last night is a sackable offence for putting out Fred and Matic together in a starting lineup. Like it's just it's such a dereliction of duty as a as a manager to to, to pair those two. I'm surprised he didn't put Mata in there to make it the slowest midfield to ever take place, you know, take part in the Premier League game. Um but yeah, like it's I do think it's noticeable how poor United have been since Pogba went. And I don't know whether Pogba was playing so well because Fernandes was taking the slack or whether Fernandes was able to play better because he knew he had Pogba there as well or whatever the case may be. But there's something just disjointed about them. Obviously, if they were to play teams like Leeds and Sociedad every week who play a high line and give them space behind, they're going to murder everybody. But all you have to do against Manchester United is play a press and you put them under pressure. Like I mean, they looked so bad in the first half against Newcastle. it was it. It did feel a bit like a training game, and obviously Newcastle tweaked something from the corners. The way they kept taking those the short corners and things like that, like as well. So there's, there's. It's just so easy to have coach us, Jared. It's it, it's disheartening to think that he's probably going to get them Champions League. Well, I think he will get them Champions League football and keep his job for another season. <laughs>
0: um, right. Well see. When you say it, and you're a Man United fan, it's okay. We know we're not going to get the. Uh... Torture with abuse, but like, what 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 would you apart from Soulscar? Like, what would you change if you if you are picking this United squad, this team to play, say, the playing on, on Wednesday night in a league game, and you're a manager? Like, who? What's your team? I
3: drop Harry Maguire. I think Harry Maguire needs that. It's that Firmino conversation we were having earlier on. Harry Maguire knows he's not getting dropped. So it doesn't matter how badly he plays, how slow he is to turn his big, fat fucking head. a <laughs> game <laughs> I literally spoke about it on the podcast last week about how he keeps getting beaten because he won't look over his shoulder. And exactly last night, he, for- he doesn't look over his back shoulder and Newcastle score a goal. Because- I actually
0: thought that was a great assist, to be honest. It's a new look know. assist. It's very <laughs> hard to do, I'm
3: actually. For another corner. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, like, I would drop Maguire just for the sake of letting him know that his spot in the team is... It, he, like, no player should be undroppable. I don't understand it. Like, there's no club. There's no player in the world outside of Messi or Ronaldo and now Haaland and Mbappe, to be fair, who should be unproppable. There just shouldn't be. Um, And so that's where I'd start. But then what do you do? Do you have Bai and Lindelof in there? Like Lindelof just, I I have no idea what he does well. Like, he's not great going forward. He's not great defending. So what exactly does he do? Um, Yeah, it's just like anything... Pass outside of Shaw and then the attacking five minus Martial because he might as well not be on the pitch either. Um, I did do think the one thing we saw yesterday is that Marcus Rashford is so much better coming from the left than he is when he's put out on the right. I think United's kind of attack and United's mid United kind of attacking five should be um. Uh, Fernandez and McTominay kind of in the centre Rashford out left Greenwood out right and Cavani up front I think that's how I'd I'd play the the kind of front five and you know I don't know who you put in there, thanks Major for agreeing with me um, I don't know who you'd put in kind of in the centre half position because I just he chops and changes it so often except he just refuses to drop Maguire and that is just so frustrating and the dog was obviously a big Harry Maguire fan because he's barking at me here. Really? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, I, I yeah, I, I but like the thing is, I said it last week, he's going to do just enough every season to keep his job. And it's like Champions League football, whoop de doo, like great to be knocked out in the group stages again, very exciting stuff, you know, <laughs> as a fan. Like, so uh, the only thing I would say is, like, and again, I, I think I made this point last week as well, the under 23s and 19s. They do seem to be doing a lot of really good things and bringing through a lot of good players, uh, and it's even though they make me feel really old when they do that, it's nice to actually see that there's a production line there, on the attacking side. I'm not sure it's there on the defensive side, so it's going to be a case of going out this summer and finding someone, anyone that's better than Harry Maguire, Eric Bi or Victor Lindelof. Yeah, you... I, th- I
2: think that's right.
0: I know you don't. You're not. You're not an Ollie fan um that is obviously clear and I know by your messages. Um would you bring in uh it's just gonna my head. What do you call the Leipzig the Leipzig manager again? Just Nagelsmann? My head. Na- Nagelsmann. Would you bring would you would, would you bring in Nagelsman still? Would Nagelsman be one you'd you'd replace Ollie with?
2: Um, it's not gonna be
0: this season either, like you know, uh, United are going to get in the top four. They're going to get back in the Champions League. All oh, he's going to have done what he needs to do, and then it could be next season where maybe something goes wrong for him, possibly. And then, thing was that would you bring someone like Nagelsmann in? Because you said well, it's a young squad coming through. Or
3: I think they can probably wait um for Pochettino to get sacked from PSG. Don't win the league, <laughs> and then um, I think that's
1: probably the way to do it.
0: Um. Right. But yeah, I know. I knew, I knew Nagelsmann. Had, cause there. you said to me last night.
1: I was say Nagelsmann's uh, tactical naivety against Liverpool during the week would worry me as a prospective uh, club looking at him. He, he he did he just sort of played into Liverpool's hands, who have been terrible. Um, but
0: he tried yes. like, three or four different formations, and and none of them worked. Uh, on on Tuesday night, he tried he tried to keep constantly switching it. You know, he didn't. It's, it's almost like he didn't give his team enough time to to try and work something out themselves in, in one sort of formation. He tried, Now I want to change this again now. You know what I mean? It's almost like he, he was overawed or something, Daft.
1: It was. So I, I don't know if, uh, uh, you know, if he's an option eventually for United, but it does sound like Solskjaer's pretty secure at, at the minute. And Steve, I was going to ask you, obviously you're not a big Harry Maguire fan and I also think he's so overrated. If you were sort of looking back at Premier League era, Manchester United, um, you know, do you think he'd get in any of the previous sort of title winning sides? Do you think he's better than anyone they've had sort of as a regular starter over the last twenty five years? I mean, he's probably better than Gary Pallister,
3: but that might be it. Um, like he's not getting in ahead of Yafstam or Rio Ferdinand or even Steve Bruce. Um, like I'm just I'm, no, he's just not good. Like he's not good, and like they're 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 having to play him because of the price they paid for him and I honestly thought like I was super impressed with the signing I thought it was going to work out but like it's just when it's this, like you can forgive a player for the odd mistake but when they keep making the same mistake over and over again and it's just infuriating I think as a as a supporter to kind of have to like, you know what's happening. Like, the guy I follow on Twitter last night was playing Manchester United bingo watching the game, and he got five of the six things he said would happen, happen, and one of them was Harry Maguire not looking over his shoulder and causing a goal. Like uh, <laughs> The only thing he didn't get was David De Gea's uh, David De Gea mistake leading to a goal, but you could kind of say De Gea's mistake indirectly led to that goal as well. So, you know, it's just... It, Frustratingly predictable how how United are going to concede because it's almost always the same type of goal, um and yeah it's that it's that thing. Would he get into any of the the previous title winning teams? I really don't think so. I don't see it.
0: No, I don't think he would. I, I, I I've said it till I'm blue in the face. He is a very good second uh, center half. I think if you put him in beside. Um, someone like Van Dyke or even Ruben Diaz this year, or even, uh, some of the greats of the la- last decade or whatever that have been that have been unreal. And you put him in there, and he doesn't have to worry about anything else apart from putting his big head in front of the ball, facing the right way. He's grand. He'd be grand in there. He'd be grand in there. But as the as the main option as the main center half, I think you're just waiting for trouble. But um, yeah,
1: he's basically we'll he's basically <laughs> Shane Duffy in the United shirt, like. <laughs> i'm
0: sure he'll um i'm sure he'll appreciate that steve had the go and um, folks doing that because uh, he had a little little tiny little emergency at home where everything's okay um so lads Brent and pat we i sort of mentioned last week i was talking to you about but uh, lukaku uh, and could he possibly win the ballon d'Or, and then we had mbappe and and Holland's big week Last week, so the three of those now are sort of at the front of everything. Lukaku's leading into Milan, and he was amazing yesterday in the Milan derby. He's he's leading into a possible Scudetto, and um, we know Haaland's doing absolutely madness for Dortmund, even though they're up and down the league this year. And Kylian Mbappe's having a strange season in Paris, but then he goes and absolutely destroys Barcelona. So, my question to you would be, and Breton, you can come in here first if you want. If you could, now there, obviously the two lads, the two younger lads, are a couple of years younger than Lukaku, but if you were spending money now. On one of them, who who would you go and spend it on? And the second option is, uh, which one do you think could win the Ballon d'Or this year, out of the three? <sighs>
2: <Goodness. laughs> um, who would I pick between those three right now? Yeah, Holland, definitely. I think not definitely Holland. I think, um. But I'm, you know, contextually putting him in the Chelsea team as well. Um, I think he suits uh, what Chelsea exactly need, which is a finisher. Um, Somebody who is going to get on the end of all the creativity that Chelsea have at the moment, um, but is capable of doing it on his own as well. Um, I think... uh, it's it's like a number nine, definitely that Chelsea need, and and Holland's more of an out and out number nine. Um, certainly on Mbappe. Um, I think Mbappe is a player who suits more of a Liverpool approach. Um, and I know that you would love to hear that. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what I was saying to you the other day about um, if it looks like Salah wants out and he's shown signs of it, could you get enough money to? To fund some of the Mbappe money, um, which would be ridiculous, and I also don't want to have one by the way, um. But yeah, I, I think, Haaland has, it, it, like, he's never. I've never known him to have a dip yet. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, which, I mean, it might come, and it might have, already come, but it's just not a dip compared to and what we normally consider a dip. Um, And I know he's only 20, but some of those players, you know, they'll maybe have a breakout season and then they'll go quiet and then they'll gradually build themselves up again. But, um, he, since he's burst onto the scene, uh, continued to score goals. I think his, his goal record is, um, similar to that of Ronaldo's. Uh, uh, who is, you know, the greatest goal scorer of all time. the argument on the on the player front is whether he's the best player, there's different opinions, but you know, he's scored the most goals. Um, you we're gonna have Pele
0: emailing us now.
2: Yeah, I mean it'd be great if Pele listened to the podcast. <laughs> but, um hopefully, I hope he does and I hope he emails. because um, 'cause it'd be great PR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I think <clears throat> Um, it, it was it, and Pape was amazing to watch uh, in the week as well. And I think there's more and more to come from him. The fact that he's already won a world cup and people that during the week that was him saying, sort of, hello world. When when he's already been France's best player at a world cup, I would say, maybe along with Pogba that year, but um, I think it's you're, those two, Lukaku, as you said, is is a little bit older, um, and didn't overly do it for United um, at one of the, you know, in that. Uh, there's this thing where you feel you feel like you need to prove yourself in the Premier League, and uh, it shouldn't be a thing um, for those sorts of players that move there. But um, certainly, those two younger guys seem like when. when Ronaldo and, and Messi are sort of coming to the end of their careers, that they could be the two that um, emerge as, as the next era. Um, but Lukaku, I mean, I've always frustrated him. I think whatever happened at United was freak. Um, I uh, You'll probably remember I really, really wanted to sign him instead of Morata that season for Chelsea. I think that would have worked. Um, uh, and I think his—he—he's got a lot of strengths. You know, he's not just good at one thing. He can run with the ball too. He's quick. He's big. He's good in the air. Um, seventeen goals, five assists this season. Um, having a really, really good season. But I think he—he he probably needs to push on another little bit. As you were talking about the—the the ballon d'or, and—and and he's only you know got a couple of years to do it.
0: What do you think, Pat? Like, out of those three right now, if 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 you've took over from Jurgen Klopp, something's obviously gone horribly wrong at Anfield. You're the man in charge, um, like, and you're tasked with buying one of those right now. Who is it?
1: Seamus Brandon, without question. Uh, you know, every single day and twice on a Sunday, Erling brought talent. Uh, I think he. I have an exclusive mutant club, as you know, um. Which includes Trent Alexander-Arnold, Stuart Dallas, and the third member of the triumvirate is is Erling Haaland. Has earned my mutant recollection. He he is a total mutant. Like he's big and strong and has all facets of the game. Like I heard, um Balaga, who was at the, the the game during the week, the so- Sevilla Dortmund game, saying like the ground actually shakes when he moves. Like he's just such a presence, and the Sevilla defenders were actually breaking it. You know, he was so physically imposing, and and obviously has a sort of um, has quite a big a big ego and an aura around him, which seems to spook spook defenders. His record, he's basically scoring a goal a game, and um, and he's twenty, and he just looks like he has everything. And against Northern Ireland, I know it's not you know he wasn't up against one of the best sides in Europe, but far from it. But uh, honestly, what his finishes that night, was ridiculous? He's just yeah. a real handful. Like, don't get me wrong, Mbappe is a phenomenal player, but you know, to my mind, I don't watch lots of league on football. But he does seem a bit more temperamental. I think he has had a quiet enough season by his standards in France. That game was obviously a real standout performance against against Barcelona, and he was unplayable. You know, from what I've seen in the highlights, um, and obviously, you know, he's won a World Cup when he was eighteen, and he's he's had a phenomenal career so far. And will be a fantastic player for for someone. Uh, Lukaku is in phenomenal form right now. Also a really physical player, a real handful. But um, I still from from those three, I think Holland's the standout. The second part of your your question was, you know, who do you think might be in the running for Ballon d'Or? I suppose it's something that's, you know, Lukaku's in absolutely amazing form. But the fact Inter got dumped out of the Champions League in the group stages. Will have an effect on that. It tends to be whoever wins the Ballon d'Or has gone very far, at least in the Champions League, Um, you know, or or maybe won a World Cup or Euros. Now Belgium could do something uh, very clearly, you know, but I, I don't know if he's Ballon d'Or worthy. But in phenomenal form, anyway, um, and you know, for Ballon d'Or, it'll be be hard to know who'll win it this year. Obviously, Ronaldo's been quite. Messi's the Barcelona piecing things together but Messi's not at his best I think I think if Atletico do anything in the Champions League and manage to get over the line in the league I think someone like Suarez could be in with a real shout of like a a random ballon d'or um, so uh, yeah who who knows
0: Yeah, that, I, I agree with the two years like Lukaku's been absolutely stunning this year and for him to to break the, the event to stranglehold on um on Syria. and I think you actually tweeted out uh, some of the league tables last night, Brent, as well from, from from the page about who's been leading this year for him. For him to do that with Inter Milan um, and be so, the face of it, like, and, and if you saw his performance yesterday, it's absolutely frightening. Um, I can actually still hear Romagnoli squealing um, when he was running at him. It was it was ridiculous, like. But if I was picking, and, and I suppose was, like possibly both our clubs are going to be in the mix here for two of these players. I don't I don't see Lukaku moving but um Holland oh, and Mbappe If I was picking one if, if Jurgen Klopp had gone and, and Patrick wasn't available and they came to me, um it'd be I, I would I would ask how much a testicle would cost and I'd get Eric Brad Holland in for it. <laughs> um and I know what people are talking about Mbappe, and it seems to be the most popular thing. I don't, I don't think Liverpool ever want to get Mbappe. The links probably come from a lot of the 19 and different things. And I know you were saying, Brenton, about if you got rid of Salah or sold Salah, say not rid of him, but sold Salah and got a lot of money for him, and you brought Mbappe in to play that side, it, it'd be class, don't you wrong? And he, and he will Mbappe. will win multiple Ballon I think, and and probably when when they're both finished, probably edged ahead of, Haaland. But right now, I don't. Haaland is just, as Patrick says, an utter mutant. Like, he's a freak at football. Like, a freak to watch. He's so... When you're watching him, you cannot... Like, at times, I was watching the PSG match last night against Monaco. Uh, they were very poor. I maybe it was because of performance. But you find yourself sort of taking your eyes off, even in, in Mbappe. But I was watching Dortmund against Schalke when I couldn't get the Liverpool game on. And I couldn't stop looking at whatever Haaland was doing. He's just... And as you said, and Game saying, he's just a presence. He's a freak, and I think if Jurgen Klopp added him into that front three as the number nine, if Thomas Tuchel added him in to Chelsea's forward line, if unfortunately what I think is going to happen, if Pep Guardiola buys him in the summer, whatever team gets him is going to dominate. I think he is that good. He is literally a game changer for whatever team can get their hands on. him. Bo- both those players are, on, including Clacky as well, that they're, they're having outstanding seasons. And the two lads are so young as well. I think Haaland's the youngest out of the three of them, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's, he's
1: 20. But, you know what? Haaland reminds me of, um, you know, not quite as silky, obviously, as the real Ronaldo, but he has some facets of, of, of Brazilian Ronaldo's game mixed with, like, peak Alan sheer. He's just unbelievable. I just yeah. I absolutely love him. Like, I just I just you Know, would love them at Liverpool so much, <laughs> and I think, I think what, he what, what sorry, I was just going to say, the um, what sort of gives me some hope of Liverpool signing them is that they have always said, as part of their committee, that um, you know, if they see what they call as a transformer, someone who can transform the squad, they will sort of push the boat out financially for them. They did it with uh, Van Dyke, and um, you know, they did it with Alisson, people who you know, have the ability to transcend a position. And I just hope that they see Haaland in that same light and will consider pushing whatever out to get him. Because uh, I think it's sort of like a, you know, a a a once-in-a-decade type striker. And that, you know, there'll be some sweepstakes trying to get him. Yeah, I I think that's that's
2: the thing. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that there'll be... I, I think he really... His game would really suit the Premier League. He's already got the the strength and speed to to be able to flourish there, and um, and that's why I think there will be five, four or five teams in for him. Um, the reports already are, are about uh, Chelsea, United definitely a number nine. Cavani's not a long term option, and Martial's been absolutely terrible this year. Um, Liverpool, obviously, and and City. Um, although I could, I could see something in my mind tells me Harry Kane's going to leave Tottenham this summer and go to United I, I just think that yeah, that might happen I could see that um mm-hmm.
0: yeah There's so someone, like the the well, Rizzo asked this question Brent as well Um hello Rizzo and um, who saw me and you by the way walking around Craigavon Lakes this sorry um he said, uh, "Patrick, I know what your answer is going to be." He said, "There are figures flying around for Haaland transfer in the summer, seventy-eight to possibly ninety million. Um, do you think it's worth paying that this year, and or waiting another year until the release clause?" I would pay double that, and that's—I know that sounds stupid. I—if—if if Dortmund said to us, "And I was manager, right? But we want to want you to give us Anfield, and you play in Kernan playing fields. <laughs> I said, no bother, lads. I'll fucking gaze the keys to it now and you can take the two dinner ladies with you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't understand. Like I they're, 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 I don't think there's a fee on the two younger players. Uh, I, Lukaku's obviously already gone for money. And I wanted to include him in this conversation because I think those three are gonna have a big end of the season, whatever they do. Um uh and I think Lukaku and Mbappe certainly at the Euros will have a say. Uh, and who and who's European champion towards the end of the season? That's how I wanted to mention. Them. As for Belgium, uh, no, nope. no, I don't, I
1: think,
0: so. I don't no. think so. No,
2: uh,
0: um, I think, I think, I think Belgium will will do something very nasty at the Euros, and I just think if he wins the Scudetto and how he's played, it'd be quite nice to see, um, someone else from another league like Lewandowski this year. Get I know that wasn't I know there's no Baldo he's still the world best player in the world someone else get it um I mean it would be quite nice if it was Lukaku because he's been absolutely ridiculous um for Inter Milan but yeah it, I'm glad we're all agreeing and it would be Haaland would be the one you'd break the boat for or break the bank for and um, and go out and get I think whoever he goes to even if it is a better rival I'm going to enjoy until he pays us. Uh, watching him in games um because as you said Patrick like it's just it's just frightening like it's it's ridiculous how big and how quick he is. It's actually comical at times. Um how quick he is like that goal last year against PSG. Like, you could actually hear the motorbike noise off the back of him when he's running through. Do you know <laughs> he's what I mean? got
1: so... feckin' dynamite in his foot and his left <laughs> foot like it is the ball just explodes off his foot. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen you could maybe put Risa or some of the or Roberto Carlos possibly in there. I don't think I've seen anyone, even those players included, hit a ball harder with their left foot, with any foot. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and he takes it so early and hits it so hard. The keeper doesn't stand doesn't stand a chance. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, It'd be
0: just to see where he goes. Um, as we said, Brent will hope it's Chelsea blue, and we'll both hope it's uh, Liverpool red. Um. I just want to touch on as well, obviously I've been covering and helping out a lot in the Irish League and I've, I've been really enjoying it. Um, I wanted to talk about it this week. There was utter chaos uh, at Shenmue Park, would you believe, Patrick? Um, on Saturday when, um, despite the, obviously there was bad weather here in the north and it was pretty heavy rains. So some games succumbed to that as they do because um, we still continue to play football in the winter. Um but General Park was called off, even though um, there was actually nothing wrong with it. Uh, one of the corners was deemed to be too dodgy, but as the officials at General Park proved it, it didn't seem anything wrong. It just sort of felt like more Irish league behaviour to call this off. Um, what I will say in this league is every game, or there's, there's a game on every weekend on the TV. There's usually one, sometimes there's two. BBC are covering now. Um, you get on the iPad or the BBC and I website. I'm not just saying this because I'm being biased because it's our league here. I, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you check in and watch it. It's, a it's actually a great league. Like, it's going
2: to hit. I was just going to say, I feel like the, uh, the, the rule I've made about um, the fact that nobody's going to get relegated uh, makes it better to watch. I know that sounds counterproductive, um, but it's as if there's no pressure now and teams are just going out and like trying to win every game you know even the teams that aren't near the top um so i feel like that's made it very interesting this season and a a sort of a different spin on it to to what we're used to
0: yeah and and depending what what manager you ask they they don't like hearing that because i think oh we're getting an easier run of it but you can sort of sense that it has left left the pressure off teams um, and teams especially like the ones for the phase there were um carrick won like three in the bounce and drew one and they're playing like two of the bit like Lee, linfield and Larne and then uh avon i think it was was it one. i'm not sure or dungallin sorry the other one so they're doing very very well but which is grand like it's just the way it is this season but uh, like people always give it a kick in, and i was one that never paid it enough attention oh patrick obviously did um and they always went to it, and, and they always love it, and they always told me about it. But I was one that didn't, and and I, I was stupid. Like because now that I am, getting the, the chance to go and watch games, and I'm lucky enough to go and watch them, I can appreciate how good it is. And I just wanted to highlight it to people. Like if you get the chance, um, stick it on the iPlayer or the BBC Sport NI website and watch one of the games on so Saturday night at the half five game, and they usually have one on on Friday night at half seven, um, and the class like the the standard of it is getting much better. Uh, and also, <laughs> when you get to grind when the ride right open, go because some of the stuff you hear from like I, I can't say what club it was or who it was, but I heard a steward, uh, offering a referee out for a fight the other night, and it was one of the best things I've heard in a while. Like, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed. It. I was almost going to applaud it, only I wouldn't have been very professional, and um, it was quite good. Cool. And, and two managers, um offering the referee for a dig afterwards as well, which is you know I'm not asking for getting a referee, but it's just it's, just, it's lovely to hear you know, football and people chatting the football again and, and the referee giving it back to you, which is nice. Um, so yeah, if you can, get, get back out and support your local team. Um not saying you need to become an advocate of that league or anything. I'm not harping on that. Do what you want but go down and, and follow them and, and um, give them a chance because it's it's well worth your time. And I think hopefully when we're allowed right back, we've all missed it. We'll all get the games and we'll all enjoy the game but um, I don't think there's anything else this week, there's, there's obviously we've talked about the turn more European football. Um, I think really that's it, unless he's of anything else. that and he is. Patrick probably still wants to talk about Holland.
1: Uh, no, no, my my loving is over.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've yeah. we've uh, we just have a big week of um European football this week, and then some big fixtures uh, next weekend. I think we've a uh, an extra pod this week.
0: We do indeed, um, we have a bonus pod I'm going to record on Wednesday night with the very brilliant and very talented uh, Stephen Scrag, he's a, he's a writer and author, he worked, writes for these football times and he wrote a couple of brilliant books and um, I'm finishing one right now on the Cup Winners Cup, which you'll know Brenton because Chelsea have won it, um, so it's a great cracking book, I'm really looking forward to it folks so it'll be out later on in the week, probably Thursday so stay tuned for that and keep supporting our Patreon if you can Um, we didn't really push that last week last week was a bit chaos but um, it's just Patreon, what was it Patreon? Ah, you say it Brandon, I never remember the link
2: patreon.com forward slash football bubble,
0: there you go uh, donate anything you can, it's only a pound a month so that's nothing and get all our podcasts across all your podcast apps um, at the football bubble um, and we'll see you again next week where we'll have, hopefully have a full house and Darth Mudd will be back from, his, from starting his new job and good luck